0: The reading is from Haggai, Haggai, chapter 1. In the Church Bibles, it's page page 948. So it's Haggai, chapter 1. In the year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come for the Lord's house to be built. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give thought, careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put on clothes, but you are not warm. You earn wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, the new wine, the oil and whatever the ground produces, on men and cattle, and on the labor of your hands. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the whole remnant of the people obeyed the the voice of the Lord, their God, and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord, their God, had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the, the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God, on the 24th day of the sixth month of the second year of King Darius. This is the word of the Lord. Before, um, tim comes to speak oh the children sorry julia there is coloring at the back for the children <laughs> sorry <laughs> let's pray father god we just thank you that we're now coming to a new series and we just pray this morning that you would open our hearts as tim comes to bring your word and we just pray that your anointing would be on him this morning amen amen,
1: amen. thank you andy Well today, as Wendy says, we're beginning a new series. We're looking at Haggai, and then we'll be moving on to Zechariah, which will take us to around the middle middle to end of July. Now, in some ways, it is a new series, because it's two new books of the Bible. Well, they're not new books, but it's two books in the Old Testament, But in other ways, it's not a new series for us because it's a natural follow-on to our study of Nehemiah, and it's a natural follow-on in this season of Renew, Restore, and Rebuild. So really, I don't want us to look at this as, this is Haggai, this was Nehemiah, this is Haggai, this is Zechariah, but look at it as Nehemiah into Haggai into Zechariah because it follows through. We looked at Nehemiah earlier in the year, as you know, we all need to come together to build something new. Everybody, all the Israelites came together and they built the wall. All of them joined up, but no one took ownership of the wall. They dedicated it to the Lord. Last week, those of us at Letton Hall, we explored our spiritual giftings. And the teaching was on that, and I have emailed that round. If you want to have a listen again, or if you weren't there and you want to listen, you want to do the questionnaire, to see roughly where your giftings might be. Now, that is the caveat, might be, because the questionnaire is, a, is, is, a, is paperwork, and it's not necessarily going to give you, you know, it's not necessarily, this is definitely right for me. But we can start to see what is happening So Haggai and Zechariah is an exploration of what is yet to come. Nehemiah was looking at building the wall and getting things ready, the foundations. Haggai and Zechariah follows that on as we start looking at the temple being built. Today, we're looking at chapter 1 and the rebuke that happens. It's quite strong words, but there is exhortation by the end of the chapter. So, in many ways, I think today can be summarized in four words it's stirring up God's people. Stirring up God's people. And that's exactly what we as a church need to do if we want to continue renewing, restoring, and rebuilding. We ourselves need to be stirred up. We ourselves need to be stirred up to rethink, to move in the power of the Spirit, and to move forward into whatever the Lord has for us beyond beyond this year. It's quite fitting that today's talk is on the day when we have our APM and APCM after the service. It's a chance to reflect back and to look forward. And Haggai is very much looking forward. But to put it in context, where are we? Well, we need to go back to Ezra to see where we are the year 536 B.C., the foundations of the temple were laid in Jerusalem. The younger folk had rejoiced and the older folk had wept, Ezra chapter 3. It's likely that Haggai was one that expressed joy that the house of the Lord was being built. And it is actually chronologically fairly close in time following the events of Nehemiah. And it follows on from that story of the walls being rebuilt, and the foundations of the house of the Lord being laid. <clears throat> But what happens is that whilst there is that zeal and determination, they built the wall, they got the foundation, they're ready to go, the opposition starts to rise up. And that then led to an official opposition to what the Lord was asking and what the Israelites were called to do. So from 536 BC to 520, the temple lay unfinished because the opposition came up. It was a, became an official opposition and it prevented the work being done. That is when Haggai comes in. He brings the message from the Lord. He is a prophet and his task is to reignite the passion of the Lord's people and get them ready for what lies ahead And in Haggai 1, we see four admonitions to encourage them back to work and to finish rebuilding the temple. So we're going to look at those four this morning as they start to rebuild and get that that sense that the Lord is saying to them, now is the time. So you might be wondering, well, how does all of that fit in with Christ church in uh, May 2022? Well, in many ways, we have gained that momentum now to start something new we've gained that momentum to start to change things to look at how we can best serve our community to how we can get Christ at the center of Bushmead in whatever part of the parish that is we've done that that was Nehemiah but it's too easy once we've finished Nehemiah to then slip back to well we'll just go back to our old ways and we'll do it this way we want people to come to us Because that's not going to happen anymore. In this day and age, people will not just come to us. We need to be going out to them and putting Christ at the center of the community. Opposition will come from every angle as well. As perhaps we start to think about new things and how can we reach out more into the community? How can we do more outreach? How can we do more mission? There'll be opposition that comes, whether that's from within the church of, well, we tried that before, Vicar, and it didn't work. Or, well, we haven't really got the finances for that. But it may also be from the outside. Well, you're reaching out here, but this is what we do out here, particularly the Church of England. We can be quite parochial and stick to our boundaries, and they become almost become a wall, but not of the good kind. But how do we reach out? There may be people saying, well, we've already done that. We're already working, working in Bushmead. Well, we're the local church. We're the local church that can change this place, that can put Christ at the center of the community. So opposition might come for us, as it did in the Old Testament times. It's not just the enemy that will be planting doubts in our minds, but it may be, as I say, others from outside influences saying, well, that's what we do. You don't need to do that. So the question I suppose is how do we stay focused friends on what the Lord is asking of us and making sure that we remain together as the body of Christ to build up something new and that's what I hope we'll be able to explore over these next few weeks as we look at Haggai and Zechariah We need to come together as the body of Christ so that Christ we can put Christ at the center of our community So firstly we have to put God first in our lives. The first thing we see in Haggai is the people defending the lack of progress on the house of the Lord. They say, well, it isn't time to rebuild the house of the Lord. Well, what if, friends, we were to say that now? Well, it's not time for us to renew, restore, and rebuild Christ church. You know, there's, there's other things that are important, actually. We need to be looking at X, Y, or Z. Well, there comes a point when no more excuses will suffice and we just have to get on with it. And I think that is the call of this Renew, Restore, Rebuild season, that it is a call for us to just get on and do it. Now, I am very good at procrastinating at certain things. I will hold my hands up and say that. I'll find anything and everything to do to avoid having to do what I need to do. That starts to become a problem when it interferes with my relationship with the Lord when it's, well, I would read my Bible but actually Hannah needs another nappy and I'll be a really good husband and do it instead of Amanda changing the nappy or, well, actually I need to get over to check I've got to do this I've got to get focused on this this report I need to write for something or I've got to send like 10 emails it's all too easy to procrastinate to avoid the word of God We've looked at the Bible course. We've done that Bible course over the last eight well, eight weeks, but not counting the four or five weeks of Lent. But we've done that, and we've looked at how important it is to read Scripture daily it's because it is part of who we are as Christians, that how God will speak to us is by spending time studying his word. Are we putting God first in our lives? There is, this is a time for no more excuses. After all, what's stopping us moving forward? We have this idea for a coffee bar. We want to get it going. What's stopping us? What about the things that the Lord has been laying on your heart to do? What's stopping you stepping out and actually doing that today, tomorrow, next week? What if the Lord is asking us to do something and we're not sure about it? So we go, well, actually, I'm just going to leave that to one side for now and I'll come back to it later when the time's right for me, Lord. That was my journey to ordination. I said, well, that's great, but I don't quite want to go there yet. I'm still happy in my career in law. And then the Lord found other ways to do it, and I had sort of a a Jonah experience. Fortunately, it wasn't in the belly of a fish. But don't keep putting it off. Otherwise, it will never happen. And I think that's the key point for us. Otherwise, we end up just like those Israelites going, well, it's not time yet to renew, restore, but it's not time yet to do this. Why do we think we know best about when the time is right to do stuff for the Lord? Because actually he's the one that knows. And it'll be in his timing. The Israelites find excuses. But they also needed to look at the evidence. In the time they were. What was the evidence that now was actually the time. For God to want his house built. And how could they doubt. The Lord was that actually now was not the right time. After all. God had moved King Cyrus to free the exiles, commissioned them to return to Jerusalem for the very purpose of rebuilding the house of the Lord. 2 Chronicles 36, 22 to, 30 to, blah, 22 to 23, and Ezra 1:1 to 4 tells us that. The Lord had provided them this opportunity, yet they found excuses. If we look into Isaiah, we can see that the prophet has referred to all of these things that the time was now. But the Israelites turn around and go, well, actually, now's not the time. They're doubting the word of God and the power of God to do what God said he would do. Are we guilty of that in our own lives? Do we doubt the word or the power of God to achieve those things which we think need to be achieved, that the Lord wants us to achieve? Do we doubt if we do we're doubting the word of God and we're doubting the power of God last week at Letton Hall when we were looking at the spiritual gifts what if we doubt God's power to heal what if we doubt God's power to rebuild his church if the evidence is there that now is the time we should not keep looking for excuses but we should just get on with it and do the job that the Lord is calling us to do the Israelites had also evaded what they had to do. They said it wasn't time. But they were willing to build their own houses. We hear about that. They were living in their own paneled houses. While the house of the Lord lay in ruin. Over 500 years later, Jesus will say, Seek first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness shall be added unto us. We know the song well. I was singing it as I was writing this. But we know that promise. Now, yes, I know the Israelites hadn't heard that at the time these events were taking place, but if we look back to the law of the time, it tells us, honor the Lord with your possessions, Proverbs 3, 9-10, and elsewhere in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. It's right there in the words of Scripture that they would have used. So in many ways, the nation had their priorities confused. They were thinking of themselves first rather than putting God first. How much has changed since then, friends? These days, we tend to put ourselves first before we put the Lord first. The nation puts, gets its priorities confused. We're repeating the same mistakes. Now, yes, of course, I know we can't just expand our budget here for lots of things beyond Bushmead because the money isn't there. I'm not saying that we need to start doing massive things. But... What I am saying is, do we believe Matthew 6:33? Do we believe that we should seek ye first the kingdom of God? In many ways, this Western world that we live in is considered luxurious. We have disposable income. Yes, I know it's difficult at the moment with the cost of living. We have that. That we have it there. Yet our giving is actually quite low. It's one of the things we often shy away from. It's, are we giving? Our giving is low, but our debts are high. Why? Because we haven't got our priorities right. We spend, spend, spend on lots of things, and I'm guilty of this, rather than give, give, give. What if each time we thought about buying something new, we put, if we didn't actually need it, we put it into a separate account and see what, what's there by the end of the year? And I bet we'll find that there is probably four, five, six, seven, eight times more than what we've actually given over the course of the year. I'm not talking about just giving to church. I'm talking about a general giving through everything. And this isn't a plea to start giving more, friends. Don't hear me wrong. I'm just asking you, are your priorities right? Are you giving or are you looking after yourself and giving the little bit that's left over? Do we need to reconsider things and seek first the kingdom of God? It's easy for me to stand here and say that. You saw the pictures. I've got those drones. I could have easily given that money elsewhere. But I was like, actually, I want those things. And I let the worldly temptations get hold of me rather than looking at what am I giving. Secondly, we need to believe God's promises. Because Haggai invites the people to examine their lifestyle and actions in the light, their lifestyle and actions in the light of the covenant that God made with them before they entered Canaan. The people needed to do some serious self-examination before the Lord. And I believe, friends, that there is a call for us to do some serious self-examination before him in the here and the now. As I've already said, it's too easy to get caught up in the way of the world. And money, wealth, and power is what to aim for. That's what society says is successful. If you've got money, wealth, power, status, that's what that means you're doing well. But that's not what we should aim for as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it doesn't say anywhere in here that that's what we should do. We need to start living our lives by the principles of Scripture. And I know it's easy for me to stand here and say that I struggle with it daily. But if we are living our lives by the principles of Scripture, we'll be more fulfilled than when we're seeking out money or power. So, do we need to humble ourselves before Him this morning, repent of our ways, do some serious self examination, and making sure that we are seeking first the kingdom of God? In Haggai, we're seeing those people put their houses first rather than the house of the Lord? Are we being obedient to God? Is there something that God is asking of us today that we are just putting off? Is it time for us to be more obedient as the people of God? And if we start being more obedient as the people of God, will we start to see the church grow? Will we start to see more of this renew, restore, and rebuild? So I want to ask all of us this morning... Do we believe in the word of God? Do we believe in the power of God? Thirdly, do we honor God's name? Initially, the Jews had purchased the wood that they needed for the house of the Lord. Yet when they get to building it, there's no wood left. So Haggai is to send them out into the forest. We don't know what happened to that wood, but we've heard about the paneled houses that the people have been building for themselves. Are we guilty of this? Do we buy the best for ourselves and just leave the leftovers for everybody else? Have we got our priorities right? Are we guilty of bringing to the Lord the things that we're too embarrassed to give to our family and our friends? Just like the priests in Malachi's day, Malachi 1, 6 to 8. If we're guilty of this, of bringing our second best to the Lord, then we're displeasing him and dishonoring his name. Haggai 1.7 says, build the house so that I take pleasure in it and be honored. God delights in us when we are obedient to his call. His name is glorified when we sacrifice and we serve. If we go out in the name of the church to further the kingdom, we're serving him and we become obedient. Dr. G. Campbell Morgan, who is an old preacher, says, whereas the house of God today is no longer material but spiritual, the material is still a very real symbol of the spiritual. When the church of God in any place, in any locality, is careless about the material place of assembly, the place of its worship and its work, it's a sign and evidence that its life is at a low ebb. We know that we are the people of God, that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that the church is the people and not the building. But we need to make sure that the building is right, to be welcoming, so that as we go out and do mission, we can bring people in. We we don't just want to forget the building and let it fall into rack and ruin. We want to make sure that the building is right. It's warm, sometimes a bit too warm. but We want to make sure that the building is warm, that there is hot water that there is tea and coffee available when people come in, that there's rooms that we can welcome people in. We want to make sure that it looks good as people arrive because that is a sign that the church is at work. It's not the only sign, of course, because we don't want to get too bogged down with that, with the building. Sometimes the building can become too much of shackles, which stops us from doing the mission. But renew, restore, and rebuild the church. It's not just about the building, of course. But it is important that we don't forget the building. And fourthly, we need to obey God's command. Because when God speaks to us through his word or other means, there is one response. Obedience. When God speaks to us, it's yes, Lord, here I am. If he is asking us to do something, we do it. Or we should do It's far easier said than done. It's easy to stand here and say this to you all. But I know that putting it into practice is hard. If the Lord asks us to do something, we just go ahead and do it. We don't weigh up all the options or negotiate with the Lord. Because that's often what we're good at. Well, I'll tell you what, well, I'll do that if. Or well, I'll do that when. It's all too easy to get into that pattern. But the first thing, and that is because we are, it's inherent in our human nature. We look for the obstacles. We look for the things that will get in our way. And we forget that actually the Lord will find a way, even when there is no way. In Haggai, we see the leaders and the people uniting, in obeying God's instructions, and then things happen. In this small book of two chapters, the Lord is referred to as the Lord of hosts ten times. The Lord of hosts means the, Lords of, the Lord of armies. God who is in supreme command of all. So when we obey God, it brings us further truth. Jesus tells us that in John 7:17. 7, Haggai reminds the people that God is with them. Friends, as we renew, restore, and rebuild the church here, God is with us. It's God that's doing the renewing. It's God that's doing the restoring. And it's God that's doing the rebuilding. We just have to be obedient to what he is asking of each of us in this time and in this place. He is working in our hearts. He can do amazing things when we obey him and when we surrender our hearts to him. There is a delay though from Haggai giving this message to the people starting work on the temple. Now there's lots of reasons why this may be, and we don't know. It was during the month when figs and grapes were harvested. So perhaps the people didn't want to lose their crop. They'll have had to remove the debris from the site before they could start building. They would need an inventory and build the work crews. So there was a time, likely there was a time of preparation. If they had gone and rushed ahead without preparation, it would have been foolish. They might have taken the time to confess their sins, Come before the Lord in repentance as they turn their attention to building the temple. We can learn something from that. Yes, when the Lord says, go and do this, we go. But we need to be prepared. We don't just rush ahead and do it. Too often, as I've said, we find excuses not to do something. We'll do the Alpha Course at church when the time's right. We'll go into the community in pick when the time is right. We'll start an additional service when the time's right, etc. You know, to put anything in front of it and then add when the time's right. We're very good at that. But often we act as though we know when the time is right. Yet Acts 1, 6 to 7 tells us it's the Lord that knows when the time is right. Any interpretation of this book. That limits God and that encourages His people to be lazy instead of busy in ministry is false interpretation and it must be abandoned. This book does not limit God. This book does not encourage us to be lazy. The Lord is, is to be pleased with us and glorified before an unbelieving world which we live in. We must hear His word. We must believe his word and we must act upon his word, no matter what the circumstances may be. Because if God is with us, who can be against us? Romans 8 31. So, where does this leave us as Christ's church? Are we ready to stop making excuses and to start being obedient to God? Are we ready to step out into whatever he is asking of us to further his kingdom? To put Christ at the center of our community. Are we ready to put God first? To believe his promises? To honor his name? And obey his command? If we are, then let's move forward doing just that. Let's see what the Lord is going to do in us and through us. Because friends, the Lord is with us. Amen.